0: Are you ready to give your employees and customers smooth, secure digital experiences? Then you need Ping Identity as an identity security pioneer. Ping champions your unique identity so your employees can be productive rock stars and your customers can engage with your brand wherever and however they want with lovable digital experiences. I'm the Chief Identity Champion and I'm here to help. Visit pingidentity.com today.
1: If you're anything like me, dental insurance isn't something you think about a lot. However, when the unexpected happens, it can help you avoid a costly dentist bill. Spirit Dental and Vision has gentle plans that offer affordable rates and no waiting periods for major services. If you're looking for dental coverage made easy, visit spiritdental.com/pod to gain a little peace of mind. That's spiritdental.com/pod to get a quote in about 60 seconds. spiritdental.com/pod
2: Hi, guys, and welcome back to another episode of Elevate Your Brand. I, of course, am your host, Laurel Mintz, and I am so excited to be joined today by my friend and a badass business boss, Dulari Amin, who is the co-founder of Synergy Ventures. Dulari, thank you so much for joining us today. Hi, Laurel. I love
3: the title you gave me. I wish that my husband and my daughter would call me the same,
2: eventually. (laughs) Eventually. I mean, you have certainly earned it. Would you start by just sharing a little bit of your background and pedigree with the audience? Sure. So
3: I grew up in a teeny tiny village in India. And when I was 15, I started lobbying with my parents. And I said, I really want to get out of this town because if I didn't, I would be married by 20 and with children by 23. And eventually I did all want all of that, but just not in my early 20s. So I basically came up with a plan and I said, listen, I know a school called FIT, Fashion Institute of Technology New York. And the only reason I knew that school is because they had set up design schools in India. And I said, I have a plan. I want to go to New York. I want to go to Fashion Institute of Technology um, and I need $4,000 or something. I don't even remember what number I said. And I basically just, you know, didn't quit until they said, fine, we'll, we'll allow you a chance to go. And everybody in my family was sort of against it. I mean, my extended family, because I grew up in a big extended family and all my uncles and aunts, we all lived in a big house together, but arrived in New York, 1996. So this is pre-internet. It's very hard to grasp how <laughs> you come, to, it's very hard to grasp how you come to a country and you assimilate without the internet. like. You have to find an apartment without being able to Google it. So you look up the village voice and you go to all the listings, you call them uh, back when they were, you know, call, there wasn't even answering machines sometimes with these apartments.
2: Landlines and uh, rotary exactly. phones. Back, back that far, not quite that far, I know. Yes, exactly. <laughs> well,
3: pay phones, pay phones. Uh, oh my gosh, pay phones,
2: it's so funny. I
3: down on the street corner and dial before I got myself an apartment. Anyway. You know, basically had the classic immigrant story, came here with nothing, worked five jobs um, and got myself through school, went to school at night, worked in the daytime, got myself a Pell Grant. I like to say that I'm a product of everything that is incredible in America. You have mm-hmm. a student grant system, um, you have a, you know, the infrastructure that anyone can do whatever they, they want in life based on their merit, And that's exactly what I did. After graduation, I um, worked for a large ad agency called Dentsu. I was in one of their uh, network agencies, which was a boutique agency called Renegade and worked on all the Japanese brands or Asian brands, HSBC, Citi, um, Nintendo, Panasonic, did a lot of what we used to call below the line advertising, which meant Mm -hmm. that it was not TV and worked on college tours um and you know early early days of internet type promos microsites early media buys and a lot of online offline like you know what we call 360 now uh, Mm -hmm. promos and efforts and so did that for about three or four years and then the world um, the emerging markets all opened up so basically we uh, went from you know having one or two brands of soap in Brazil India and China and Russia to like uh, in- influx of American brands like everything from MTV came in and Nike came in and suddenly like we were just so hungry for brands and as a result all these nations needed ad networks to support these mm. in- incoming brands so Densu started up offices in India I raised my hand Of jumped and I said, I want to go back home. Um, And I was a little jaded by New York at that point. I'd lived there eight years. And I went to India, did that for a year. It was incredible to work in my home country and start an agency. And that was the impetus of me saying, you know, I probably could do this if I could just get one client. So I moved back to the States and um, started my agency in Los Angeles called Phenomenon um, with my co founder. And we um, our first client was Vitamin Water, and then we just grew organically from there. Um, I feel like I had the privilege of working with the most amazing clients and brands over the course of the 13 years that I ran the agency. We grew to about 160 people, and um, we were a full-service agency, cr- strategy, creative, production, worked for everyone from Crate and Barrel to Wilson, some incredible um brands beloved brands and then in 2017 i sold my share in the agency to private equity and you know it was a big it was like the exit that people dream of and then post exit you kind of have to find yourself again and i had my daughter um i actually flourished in my personal life i had been on a treadmill for 13 years and i am now a um investor in early stage and growth companies. And uh, I don't like to call myself a VC yet because uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, definitely have enjoyed You're super me. angel. <laughs> really sad, maybe yes. Uh, and I and I love working with entrepreneurs and I love helping them build their businesses. And so wow. but I I don't know what's next, Lauren. Maybe something is in the books, maybe another company. But right now, I'm really happy working with
2: my my portfolio company. So that's a little bit of my background. Your story in six minutes. I love it. Well, let's go back in time. What was it that made you so clear that you needed to come to the States to work? Was this just a burning desire? Did you watch television? Like, Where does this little girl from India decide she's going to come to the States and make it? Yeah, you know, it's, this is very much a part
3: of this conversation right now with, you know, Mm. Kamala becoming um, the VP candidate, I think you really have to see yourself in these leaders. And growing up, I had no mentors. In fact, most of my life, I haven't had a mentor, unfortunately, because I just never saw anyone like me who had done what I did in an industry that I wanted to be in. And that is you know, that's obviously a problem I'm trying to solve now by being an investor and a mentor to other companies. But I remember back in the day, it was really, if you if I I knew if I stayed in India, I would basically fall into the path of marriage and children, and I would have a great life. I mean, you know, I would, but I wouldn't make my own story. Uh, There was no way. And so I actually fled from what I didn't want to see happen rather than knowing what I wanted to happen in my life and I don't I don't think girls should have that I think they should they should see themselves um in other leaders they should have mentors and I literally just ran away and I I did something and I really the past 20 years it's been like I've been trying to prove a point to myself but also you know, I guess to my hometown, like, Hey, when you give girls a chance, they go some, they go do something amazing. And that's one reason to take a bet on
2: someone that you ordinarily wouldn't take a bet on. I love that. And that, I mean, that's truly what investing in early stage growth companies is about. Um, it's about taking a chance and giving someone an opportunity to thrive because a lot of times those early stage companies, and I forget, do you do pre-rev companies or only, uh, companies in that hockey stick mode?
3: Yeah, good question. It um, mostly early stage post revenue um, and growth stage. I do have some entrepreneurs that I mentor who are pre revenue, but at that point, I really do want to see them. um, I want to see them uh, make that commitment to their companies, really figure out a way to monetize their product or service. And then once we have a viable Offering, then I'm I'm all in in terms of my check as well. But you know, the big difference is I invest with my own capital. This is money that I worked hard to make, so I have a different mindset in terms of who I invest with and what risks I'm willing to take. Um, mm.
2: You know, in, it's in more terms personal, of, yes, definitely. Well, I also think that's probably what makes you a really great investor, and not a lot of investors have that background not only of being an entrepreneur, but being a successful entrepreneur that has had an exit and that is then using that capital capital to continue supporting other businesses in their growth mode. So I think that you just have such a unique perspective in life, of course, but in entrepreneurship in the angel VC investment world. It's just so unique to watch what you do, like through your lens is so unique.
3: I, I, I hope so. You know, I mean, look, I think that I definitely have had some wins with my companies. Um, Some of them have gone to um, later stage um, fundraising rounds, which is always a testament in terms of your initial belief, but also some of them have gone public and have done well in the public market. So um, definitely there's the jury still out in terms of uh, a few of my uh, more recent investments, but I know that I know what to, you know, Obviously, there's this is this whole asset class is very risky, but it definitely helps when you have owners operators with experience who are investing in these companies. And I think that the ecosystem is more likely to succeed when you have people like me who are taking bets early on, who are avoiding costly mistakes, um, both in terms of money and time, who are um, working with entrepreneurs to really build the right team, um, catch their blind spots and avoid the mistakes that they personally made. I have made every mistake in the book in terms of hiring and building my team. And we could go into all of that, but I think I can look at an entrepreneur and say, this is all the stuff that you should avoid, whether it's, you know, from a team perspective or from a valuation perspective or from um, an HR perspective. And, you know, I can only take the company so far because I don't have a billion dollar balance sheet. Not <laughs> yet. Um, but, you know, uh, you need the institutional um, VCs and investors to basically come in and and take the company to the next level of growth
2: in terms of um, that hockey stick that you talked about. Yeah, absolutely. We're going to take a really quick break. And when we come back, I want to talk about your perspective on being a woman in the angel VC investment world um, and how you feel that's affected you and how women can get more involved in this world. So stay tuned.
0: Are you ready to give your employees and customers smooth, secure digital experiences? Then you need Ping Identity as an identity security pioneer. Ping champions your unique identity so your employees can be productive rock stars and your customers can engage with your brand wherever and however they want with lovable digital experiences. I'm the Chief Identity Champion and I'm here to help. Visit pingidentity.com today.
4: Who are you texting? My therapist. You text with your therapist? Text, video chat, call? Yep.
2: Hi guys, thanks for tuning in. And if you are just new to the conversation, I am chatting with my friend Dulari Amin, co-founder of Synergy Ventures, which is an early stage uh, growth uh, company, growth-focused company uh, in terms of investment and um, finding really interesting brands to to make their capital stretch farther. Before the break, we were talking about um, how important it is for. Uh, institutional capital to come in for that hockey stick growth. But I want to back up again and talk about being a woman in this world. Has that, let me back up even a step further, being an Indian woman in the VC investment world, do you feel like being a woman and and being a woman of color, can you just speak to both of those as part of your journey, whether that's helped you or hindered you and what you think the future of that's going to look like, given the current um, kind of energy?
3: (laughs) Yes, yeah, so much to unpack. I know. Here, right? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, how much time do we have? Um, so, look, I think that every woman will tell you that she's had some great experiences, some people who really believed in them and backed them and gotten to them the place to the place that they are today. I truly believe there is no such thing as self made. A lot of people look at me and say, Hey, you're self made. But I'm like, Well, you know what? I am because I put in 90% of the work, but I wouldn't have been here without the support of key people in my life, whether they were professors or friends or colleagues or clients um, or even people who came to work for me who believed in what we had to do uh, and what we had to create. So, no such thing as self made. During this course of your you know entrepreneurial journey whether you're an investor or you're an entrepreneur or you're just a professional woman trying to you know kind of progress in your career you will have both types of experiences i've obviously had my share of unpleasant experiences um i remember a time when an investor in my company well or back up i'll say some when i was in the process of Uh, my transaction um, with my agency, I definitely had a few lowball offers from guys who thought that I didn't understand what my company was worth. Mm. And I'm so glad that I didn't take those offers because I wouldn't even have made, I mean, they were a fifth or a sixth of what I eventually ended up getting. Um, And there were some very sexist remarks about, um, you know how I looked, etc. We won't go into that, but for sure, I've had those types of experiences. Um, I think, in terms of venture, um, there's a lot that's been said about venture being a boys' club, totally. Um, and um, I think that there's a lot of women who have led the way, um, and a lot of media that's helped in terms of creating the tailwinds for women who want to be in venture. I think that, given who I've worked with in terms of co-diligencing deals um, who I've co-invested with a lot of my ecosystem, not, not, not by design, but I feel like I just, I work so much better with women founders. Not that I don't have male founders. Um, I also do excellent when I you know, co-invest with other women. And I love that there's a emerging ecosystem of women founders and women investors and women like post-exit entrepreneurs like me who are investing in other companies, who've made money, who want to see other women make money. And it's like a very exciting time to be in venture. And, you know, we don't need to try and like crawl into a boys club. We are our own club. We're going to, you know, we, there's enough of us who are doing this that we don't need anybody's approval. We're smart. We know what, you know, we, we have experience. So it's, and I think that everyone's like Everyone's taken notice. There's female-only funds, uh, which is great. Um, I've never kind of pegged myself on a gender lens in terms of only invest in women or people of color. I want to invest in the best people. If they happen to be women or people of color, that's fantastic. Um, I'm also very careful in terms of not trying to be in some ivory tower with some, you know, with a certain type of, you know, men's network because. It's, you know, that's very uh, myopic in terms of thinking diversity always creates better outcomes. So I want to be on diverse teams, whether it's boards or investor teams, I always look for, is there still good diversity here um, yeah. in terms of the entire makeup of the company, including the management
2: team? I think that's so smart. And they've done so many studies recently that have come out, not to mention the California laws on board uh makeups and how it's there's a requisite now for there to be a diverse representation on them whether that, that has been implemented to the full extent is another conversation of course but to your point there is so much proof in how diverse boards diverse executive teams diverse teams in general perform better so I think that you know you really are approaching this the right way it's it's just very smart I've you know you and I met when You were still very much in the agency because I was a small agency, like looking over the white picket fence at you saying, I want to be just (laughs) like her when I grow up. And uh, we we became friends uh, from that experience. So I've really been able to watch you in this whole arc, which has been pretty insane and amazing. You were always already super successful when we first met, but to watch you being, you know, running that show. And then exiting, and now this next, you know, iteration of your existence is has been just so amazing to watch. I think you're doing a fantastic job.
3: Thank you, Lauren. That means a lot coming from you.
2: Well, and I also think it's important to note that you made a very conscious effort to pause and take stock of your life and what was important, and put your family first. Which I think it must have been. I mean, it's it's what you needed to do for you for yourself. But I think a lot of women who would be in this position would think I've got to barrel through, I've got to push forward. I can't be, you know, I can't slow things down and I, I just want to honor you for making that decision for your family as well. I think that was so beautiful.
3: Thank you. I, I mean, there's a lot to say on that topic as well. Go and for it. Yeah. If I, if I can just say, I think, yes, first of all, like we, we set ourselves up for failure. We tell each other that we can do everything. Yes, we can do everything it's impossible to do everything all at the same time and be 100% engaged it's just not feasible something mm-hmm. always gets on a daily monthly yearly basis and you know we can't we can build companies and we can have amazing relationships and marriages that are fulfilling and we can be wonderful mothers we can't just we can't do all of that every day at the same level of commitment day in and day out um, not, not even the best of us. So I think that we have to be realistic with ourselves. And there's phases of uh, in life for everything. And, and, you know, I just wish that we would all give each other the, the room and the space to follow that and not feel so first of all, like in your 30s, you're like, oh my gosh, I have to climb this corporate ladder or this journey that I'm, or I have to take my business to the whatever million dollar or $50 million mark, wherever you're at. And then, oh, by the way, my clock's ticking, I'm 35. And oh, I have to go through IVF. And then, oh, I, I still don't have a man. And oh, my relationship and my, it, it's just so, there's so much pressure on us. Yeah. Um, and I think that we, it's, un, it's also an unfair comparison. Men don't have to think about their, cycle but their biological cycle men don't have such a hard time with childbirth they don't have the postpartum they don't have the recovery and while my husband is a super engaged dad I had to physically go through the process of you know delivering this child and recovering from it and I am the primary caregiver in a very innate sense so I have to do it justice Mm -hmm. and you know I think that we're going to be happier if we if we think of our careers not as I heard something this is borrowed and it's so wonderful and change my lens on how I viewed my own career which is my career or my progress is not like a stepping stone like it's not a ladder but it's a jungle gym and like I could go Mm -hmm. up down across sideways I could slide down I could take it easy I could climb back up again and it has to be fun it has to make sense for my like you know what I want to bring to fruition in the world, and if that's Your having two children, journey.
1: exactly.
3: Mm-hmm. Um, and and I think that the one thing that's really come out of this pandemic, and women have suffered a lot in this pandemic, and everyone's writing about that. But I think it's also put into spotlight just how hard it is to be a working mom, and. Mm. And I think that companies who are serious about diversity are going to have to put a lot more infrastructure around childcare. Um, And I think that we're all going to have to give women the credit for, for working full time and, you know, raising children full time. Like uh, there's, it's just, you know, come to light in terms of how hard this is. And we've kind of been hiding it or underplaying it,
2: um, which is, which hasn't been fair on us. So There's been a lot of broken systems, to your point. We need to take another quick break. And when we come back, I want to talk about the future of the brand, your future as this powerhouse woman leading the charge with these early stage growth companies. I want to talk about mentorship. Um, Gosh, I I mean, I could talk to you. We should have done this for an hour. I feel like 30 minutes is definitely not enough for you. But um, hold tight. Stay tuned. We're going to take a word from our sponsor, and then we'll get back into it
0: are you ready to give your employees and customers smooth secure digital experiences then you need ping identity as an identity security pioneer ping champions your unique identity so your employees can be productive rock stars and your customers can engage with your brand wherever and however they want with lovable digital experiences i'm the chief identity champion and i'm here to help visit pingidentity.com today
2: Thanks for sticking with us. And if you are just tuning in, go back and re-listen to this from the beginning because Julari just has so many little pearls of wisdom. What you just mentioned about the jungle gym, I'm going to totally steal that. I will give you credit, even though I know you stole it as well, but <laughs> I love that as a concept because things are, it's not linear. I think that was really your point is that things are not linear and they don't have to be. And consistently we have as women leaders, as mothers, as daughters, as as, uh, you know, in our world, we've always thought that this had to be this like ladder that we had to climb to the top of. And I just love that metaphor. I thought that was so fantastic. So thank you for sharing that.
3: Of course. And you know, it's it's so much a part of our um, culture uh, that mm. people don't even think about it. You know, this whole idea of like microaggressions. I remember like I was four months postpartum um, it was one of my first outings and I was sitting next to um, this guy at dinner and he was a nice chap, like nothing against him, but he's like, so you're just, you know, so I'm like, oh, this is all the stuff i am done. And I just had a baby and he's like, oh, so you're just a mom now. And boy, that really hurt me or it made Oof. me angry. Yeah. And I don't think any coming out of COVID, anyone's
2: going to say that, or you're just it's a mom. better not.
3: I yes, would have put a martini yes. in
2: that guy's face real fast. <laughs> <laughs> but this is why women like you, um, as examples of power and strength within the um, entrepreneurial community and the VC venture world, is so, so important. So tell us now about this new company what kind of brands you're looking for, companies you're looking for, um, and how can people get in touch if they think that they have something that might be a good fit? Sure. So the. Um, I think my lens for investing
3: changed um, a few years ago. I'd been a sort of a passive investor or angel friends and family type investor uh, for a long time now. Um, But then when I sold my company and look, I loved all my clients. I loved, the Pepsis and the Cokes and, you know, but I personally went through a journey in terms of like, what do I want to see in the world and what type of, and it really changed when I became a mom. And a lot of people talk about this, a lot of Mm -hmm. men and women that their perspective on the world changes because you realize like what kind of legacy, what kind of world do I want to leave for my children and their children. And um, that was combined with this sort of revival in terms of people Uh, leading purpose in their lives. We talk about this whole millennial mindset of purpose and also just how we, we, you know, sustainability and uh, a concern for the environment and for how a company, um, you know, manufactures and produces and what it does to uh, the world around it is really something that consumers care about, I think it was a perfect time for me to say, there's going to be a new wave of companies that are going to be more on this spectrum of ESG, which is environmental social governance. And you can see that a lot of the impact, quote, unquote, investing um, is on the rise now, because most of us want to be aligned with the companies that are doing the right things in terms of the environment, in terms of social Mm -hmm. factors and in terms of the governance, which is diversity on boards, et cetera. Mm -hmm. Um, And social deals with all the practices in terms of your uh, labor force, your manufacturing, are you using sweatshops? You, you know, where is your materials coming from your supply chain? So, um, my per- personally, for synergy and for myself, I always look at the, I, I view the companies from a net impact uh, perspective in terms of is this company it better? Is is it is it going to be better for humanity? Um, right, and so more good than it, harm. Exactly. Is it going to be? um helping the you know health and lives of people is it going to enable women to do to work um is it going to um harvest better resources to make its products or services um is it using um everything in its power to make sure that the impact on the environment is is less so it's those types of companies that um i invest in and uh so it, they fall sort of into three large categories. It's, it's health and health tech, um, technology, so sort of clean energy or, or, or tech, and then consumer, which, you know, obviously has been my experience. So, um, and I, I have to have a, a sense that I can help the founder, I can help the company, um, and, and that's sort of my basis for investment.
2: That's great. And the truth is, is that there's, again, just like having diversity on boards, impact funds are doing really well in terms of their returns right now. And I think to your point, it's because generationally, people are so much more conscious, aware, and concerned about where their dollars are going. So whether they're you know making decisions with their dollars or actually on the investment side and investing in impact-driven funds, we're really seeing that um, as kind of the next normal as it relates to venture. And I think that that is absolutely the right approach uh, in terms of your focus. Uh, I love that. And how big, can I, we talk about how big the checks are typically that you write so that listeners can understand whether they're a good fit for you in terms of scale? Sure. Uh,
3: there's no no check that's sort of small enough based on you know where the company's at. Typically, the checks are from 25000 uh, to upwards of 250000 depending on where the company's
2: at. Fantastic. So I want to end with um, some best practices, some of the lessons along the way. You obviously you know, took the bull by the horns and you know, came to the States, created this incredible uh, community around you, this incredible company, exited successfully. What are some of the things that you wish you had known back in the day or tips that you would give entrepreneurs starting out today?
3: Again, Laurel, this is such a big topic. I feel like I could go on three days. Um, I'll invite you that sounds sounds good. I'd love to chat with you. Um, I think number one is the team. So first of all, I think it's, I always look for um, companies that have, um, Either two really great co-founders, or they already have some sort of a management team in place, or I would say not even a manage a, a good team in place. Because no matter how strong the entrepreneur or how uh, strong-willed or charismatic, you you need someone to be who they're not. You need someone to do the back office, to do the operational stuff, to look at the numbers, to be you know the person who looks at the the details while the the founder, you know, is doing their thing. So I always look for that balance. So even if you have an idea, figure out who else you can work with, who's going to basically, you know, who's aligned in your vision, uh, but complementary in their skills. The best partners are like that. They're aligned in the vision, but complementary in their skills. Mm. And you have mutual tr- trust and respect for each other. You're in it for the long run. So, you know, it's it's basically... Um, you know you're 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 in it for the long run, and you play the the game of being co-founders that way. I would I would say that's my first on the co-founder piece. In just in relation to that, don't worry about like who you hire too much. I mean, you know, personally, I went through sometimes four or five people in the same role. Um, as your company evolves, you will you will need different people. You will you know turn your team. You'll shift around your team a bunch. Um, You'll have people that you started with that perhaps are just, you know, maxed out in terms of what they can contribute to the company, you'll still take care of them. um, But they may not be the right fit as you grow. So um, don't be so um, you know, hire well. But if it doesn't work out in the first couple months, then you know, don't be afraid to part ways with respect, knowing that this is such a small world, and where you go, that you're going to run into them, and your reputation will follow you to the end of time. <laughs> so that would be the the next one. Um, totally. And I think the last one would be you know, especially in the early stage, a lot of founders will come to me. And like they have this great idea and they're just so enamored with this idea, but they don't have any framework around their idea. So the basics of, you know, how big is your addressable market? um, How... Um, who are the competitors in the ma- market? What would could be your the lifetime value of your customer? What's the average order volume? How much would you need to you know get to the first year of business? So basically, having a, the business model, and it doesn't have to be like an Ivy League business school business model. You have to be art- able to articulate that in a half an hour conversation. I don't care if you present a fifty page deck to me. I want to see a very succinct like mm. five, 10 pager. Um, That that shows me that you clearly have looked at the macro of your business. Um, If you're seeking advisors, I mean, look, you could have a hobby business, you want to run a big shop and you want to you know, get $20,000 from your parents and do that. That's totally fine. And it's a cash flowing business and you could run it that way. But if you want a venture backed business, I think you really have to go in knowing your numbers and you have to really understand, you know, where the, the company is more. Can, can exit. So I think you have to start your company knowing how you might exit. Like, do you want to go to the sunset with it and run it for the rest of your life? Mm. Or do you feel like you want to grow it fast and, and, and try to exit it. And especially if you take investor money in terms of traditional VCs um, who are not your friends and family, they're looking to make a return. So once you take outside money, they're going to drive you to exit because that's the only way that the,
2: they make money. Mm, yeah. I love those tips. I think that those are fantastic, and of course, you know, I think that you are so fantastic. Thank you so much for being on the show today, Jalari.
3: Thank you. It's been a pleasure. I feel like we could chat for hours. Um, I, I, I think that you're incredible. I love seeing a woman run her agency like you do. I love that you're doing that pod, this podcast. I feel like more women's stories need to be told that are real and authentic. And I just had a great time with you. I think you're. One of the very best.
2: Oh, well, the feeling is mutual. And thank you all for listening in. Uh, Please make sure to reach out to Jelari if you think you've got an idea that is a good one for her company. And uh, thanks for tuning in and stay tuned for more Elevate Your Brand coming up next.
0: Are you ready to give your employees and customers smooth, secure digital experiences? Then you need Ping Identity as an identity security pioneer. Ping champions your unique identity so your employees can be productive rock stars and your customers can engage with your brand wherever and however they want with lovable digital experiences. I'm the Chief Identity Champion, and I'm here to help. Visit pingidentity.com today.